one of the things that I think is really beneficial for Smart Fit Girls is the idea of a youth advisory board. Because, you know, if you're going to have a program where you're trying to have that youth adult partnership, you can't really have a youth adult partnership program without youth. And how are you going to get youth in your youth adult partnership if they don't feel like they're being included or they don't feel like um, they have something to engage in, right? Like we're talking about being engaging, but how are you supposed to engage if you don't feel like there's something to engage in? This is the Public Health Insight Podcast. Before we move on, it is important to note that the views expressed in this podcast are our own and do not represent any of the organizations we work for or are affiliated with. In the previous episode, Gordon, LaShawn, and Linda welcomed Ellie and Chrissy to the podcast to talk about the ways in which the Smart Fit Girls program positively influences the physical and psychosocial health of middle school girls. In the second part of the discussion, they shift the conversation to discuss the importance of youth participatory action research when developing and evaluating youth-based programming and the need to constantly explore ways to enhance equity, diversity, and inclusivity. This is where they left off. So just throwing this back to, to Chrissy, I know um, I think Smart Fit Girls started in 2013 or thereabouts. Um, yep. Ish. Yeah, and and you ish <laughs> ish. And um you know there's I think you've talked extensively about the ongoing journey to make things more inclusive. Um, so at what point did you realize, you know, based on the original Smart Fit Girl program that existed, that um, there was perhaps a lack of diversity in um, how you would go about addressing it? We talked about the importance of needing to do it, but what was that moment like for you when you um, decided to make it more inclusive in an intentional and engaging way? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it kind of goes back to right before I um, started working with Ellie and the Melanin Magic Group. Um, I had met a, a woman in the, the Denver, Colorado area who runs a community center that's sort of this community goldmine of all kinds of resources and supports for folks um, in the surrounding area. And she and I met in an event and she said, she had learned about Smart Fit Girls and she said, I'd love to bring this to my community center. And I said, great, you know, I'm, I'd, I'd love to support in that way. And um, we we made the connection. I went and trained some of her staff on the program, did the standard training that we had done up to that point, um, provided some equipment and things to get, to get the ball rolling. And... I don't know, a week or two went by and I hadn't heard much, checked in and not a lot was happening. And then a a month went by and it was kind of the same thing. And I just started to realize through conversations with women that we we were just so not intentional in any way, right? I just took the same existing program, set it on the desk at this community organization and said, here you go. Right. And of course it failed. Right. Like, I I think that's an important thing to recognize. Of course it failed because there was no intentionality in how we adapted things. Right. And so that really put me on this journey primarily of self-reflection. Right. To me, that's the other piece, the humility Mm -hmm. and it's the self-reflection. Right. So it put me on this journey to really reflect on who was the 
program created by, for whom was the program created, who has gone through the program, right? All of these really important questions that we sat down and asked ourselves to say, gosh, we have a lot of room to make this better and to be much more intentional. And so it was the same um, woman, she and I found a, a grant application to apply for. It was a partnership development grant and it was really centered around doing just that, a whole year of building a partnership, building relationships and building capacity to work with one another. And it was through there and that process that I learned so much from her and how to do community engagement, how to do um, program adaptation. And that was really then what morphed into Melanin Magic which I'll say at the time wasn't called Melanin Magic, right? That was one of the first activities that we did as a group. Um, when Ellie and others in the group got together, one of the first things we said was, what What do you want to call this, right? What resonates? What feels like you will see that name and feel reflected? What will resonate? Um, and, and, you know, that again is just a small example of how we have an opportunity to be really intentional at every step of the way. I wonder, um, either Ellie or Chrissy, I don't know who, who would have more insight on this, but how do does the activities of Melanin Magic differ from the day-to-day of just Smart Fit Girls overall? How was it adapted? What were some of the key differences? Yeah, I'll start and say some of what came out of Melanin Magic, because part of what we were trying to do with Melanin Magic was exactly what Ellie said, to learn from young women, young Black women, about their unique experiences in order to be more intentional with our programming moving forward. And so um, a couple things that came out of it were the need to create, or the opportunity I should say, to create some new lessons that didn't exist. One on um, hair, for example, being a real opportunity to create, right? We didn't have anything in our um, curriculum around hair. And so that's kind of a small example. And then the other piece was just looking at our whole curriculum and looking at the videos we show and who's represented in the videos, right? Looking at the songs, the the playlists that we play, um, looking at terminology, looking at all the language, right? What do we what do we mean when we say girls? What do we mean when we say smart? What do we mean when we say fit? Right? And just all of the ways that language and being more intentional with language um, shifted after this process of engaging in the Melanin Magic project. And it's certainly still ongoing. I think we still have a lot of opportunity to continue to improve and, and be more inclusive in, in various different ways. I think the, the term that's used in the papers is culturally responsive. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, I think those of us in public health, I think there's even a competency right now that talks about cultural competence. Mm-hmm. And I like to push back on that idea of competence because I think mm-hmm. competence makes an assumption that there's an end goal Mm -hmm. and that there's a skill set you can develop and then you're competent. And I think that is completely counter to this idea of humility. So Mm -hmm. I I always like to take an opportunity to kind of push back on that language of cultural competence. It's such a buzzword in public health. Absolutely. It's it's more, and I've seen that as well, it's more about your journey that you'll never get to the end of the road on because... Um, like you mentioned, there's a danger in thinking that there's a certificate hey, that certifies mm-hmm. you as competent and there's no need to further engage and learn what you don't know. So I think I agree with your point that you made there. Yeah, to answer all Linda's question, for me personally, as someone who was in the program, I think there came out a 
a sense a new sense of power mm. because those girls now knew that they like had a space where they can go and share and express their feelings and experiences without you know being judged or without telling or without someone telling them that they're wrong or that um what they're saying isn't true and a lot of those girls who came to melanin magic didn't have that before so they left going uh, they left melanin magic going back into their um schools and environments and neighborhoods with that new sense of power because they knew that you know, if things really got tough for them, there was a place that they could always come back to. Mm. So that safety, those relationships, people who understand you, and that translated yeah. to feelings of power. You know, one thing that stood out to me when reading the paper and hearing more about Melanin Magic was that it addressed those intersectionalities. So we already talked about how adolescents, girls, women in general, we, you know, there's that um, physical activity gap, there's body image and self-esteem issues. But if we miss that aspect of racism and discrimination, then there's a huge piece of body image, Ellie, like you mentioned, that we're not addressing. So then the program is not as effective. And I thought that this program really took into account the experiences of you guys, of, of, of the participants, and said, how can we make this better? So I really love that. One of the things that Ellie and I were talking about last night was you know, part of that process, and this gets back to this idea of a youth adult partnership. And one aspect of youth participatory action research is how are we engaging young people in ideally every step of the process? And so in that paper, this group of young women were integral in um, coding the data, right? We did mm-hmm. quali- we did some focus groups, right? And then the young women coded the data right mm-hmm. because who it, it wouldn't make sense for me as an adult white woman to read through this and decide what the themes were right this is this notion of data is always there's always a level of subjectivity to data right my own biases come into play and so is there an opportunity for young people to help analyze the data absolutely there is right it's a skill set that um that we can all learn and and use. And so that was an important piece of this was this group of young women coded the data. They um, decided on the themes. They named the themes. They identified the quotes that went with each theme, right? They did all of it. Um, And then when it came time to publish the paper, it only made sense that these young women were authors on the paper, right? And that um, elicited a conversation, right, from from folks to say, who are all of these people? Do we need them all on the paper, right? And and the response of absolutely yes, because they were integral in writing the paper. So it's again just another way of how do you commit to being really intentional and in partnering with young people at every step of the process? Yeah, wow. That that was another thing I brought up with Linda today. It's the fact that within this paper, there was so much intentionality directed to let's get um, these youth involved in every step of this process. Oftentimes, um, when people talk about this, getting um, you know the participants engaged in the research, it's just more of a superficial um, kind of lens. But going through the paper, and it logically just lays out, okay, they were involved in this p- portion. They were involved in naming the actual group. They were involved in this aspect. They were, first of all, they were taught almost how to do qualitative research which is such a valuable skill as well on to add to everything that was shared in that whole study and 
you know, it, it was it was such a great paper in this youth participatory action research lens, and I th- I think it was fantastic the way it was done this paper, and I, I can't go off about it enough because <laughs> it seems to me that um, even in the language that was used in the results, it was just like we're a collective team, and this is how we want to outline our results. We're together as one instead of individuals、um, saying these quotes. So I thought that was fantastic. Yeah, and it gets back to the importance of time, right? It took time. It, it took a lot of time, right? Not only from me, but from Ellie and the other young women in this group, right? That was a long session where we learned how to code, right? Then we came back and we read the transcript and we cut out the right like that, and then you know we would go back and write a piece of it, bring it back to the whole group, right,、mm-hmm. and say how does this sound? What what do we need to add?、Mm-hmm. You know, at a subsequent Session, we added an additional theme that didn't come out at first because it felt so important. So, it you know I think it just goes back to this idea that it's the inv- an investment of time,、mm. and it's it's beyond just the time that you're engaging in the project, right? It's the stuff that you do outside of it that's also important and also builds the relationship, right? Ellie and I went to the MLK March. Two years ago, we, when it was actually in person, right? That had nothing to do with right or、um, going to her basketball game or her coming to dinner, right? There are just these pieces that you、mm. build the relationship and the trust over time,、um, and yeah, it's the time, it's the intentionality, and I think there are always ways that it could be better, right? Lashawn, I read that, I reread the paper, right, to、yeah. to come and be prepared,、mm-hmm. and I thought, oh gosh, there's some other things that we could have done, or An offshoot,、mm-hmm. right? And so it's again that self-reflection and the humility to say, "Oh, I kind of, if I could go back, I'd do this different, or maybe we should have、right. done this," you know. So, yeah, it's all of that. Yeah, and、uh, I guess it's more of a technical question. It's it's like this research is fantastic, and you mentioned there's so much time and effort that goes into building these important relationships with the participants, and you know yourself having that humility lens. Now. I feel like there's always a disconnect with any sort of funding agencies looking to even fund these in the first place,、yes. given you know just the practical aspects of time,、um, money, etc. So, like, was it was this obviously wasn't easy to do? But how did you navigate that? Yeah, started I think with the grant that I mentioned. That was it was a small grant, but it was explicitly dedicated to partnership development. So the whole year was around, like I said, building a relationship, getting to know one another, thinking through what's shared goal, right? In any sort of partnership, you both have your own ideas of what you want to do, but coming together over the course of getting to know one another and deciding what do we want to do together,、um, and that same funding group had a, a follow up grant that we also were able to apply for.、Um, So I think that helps. I think the other thing to acknowledge is the way that academia is set up. It it doesn't、mm-hmm. reward, right? I'll just name that. It doesn't、exactly. reward community、yeah. engagement. It doesn't reward、mm-hmm. the hours of relationship building and whatnot. And so that is a conversation I think that needs to be had. And I think there are universities that are having the conversation. I haven't seen a lot of. <laughs> significant shift yet, but the conversations are happening that weren't happening before.、Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think the other piece of this is it's kind of this notion of what I think about as like work-life integration, 
right? And, and if I'm only doing this work when I'm at work, that will forever be insufficient, right? Mm. My values and um, the way that I show up at work, if I can integrate that with my values in my own life, then it makes it easy to engage in this because it's part of what I value as a human being and and how I see us moving toward more equitable, just systems. So that's another piece of it, I think, for me is, yes, I acknowledge that academia is not set up to reward that. And if that's the only reason we're doing it is is for that reward and, and because it's part of our work, we're never going to get to a place where we're working toward mutual liberation, right? Mm -hmm. Which is, I think, ideally our end, you know, our end goal. Yeah. I would also add to it it was such a I'm not even I'm sure it wasn't intentional, but just even just um knowing you for the period of time we've known you for, you're a very intentional person. Um so even just thinking through all those important elements, um, putting yourself to the side thinking about how to do this in in an authentic way like everything down to so there were there was the participants helping to analyze the data and then they're also published authors on the paper i find that that's incredibly like there's a lack of representation in terms of we talked about the the body image issues and um african-american girls needing to see people that look like them but then you're also kind of addressing the the gap in terms of publications and the disparities that exist in publications mm -hmm. like ellie is basically a published author on yeah. this paper what was that what is it what was that experience like for you ellie oh i've well it was it was it was great why i've never really been a published author on anything so that was it was interesting and it was kind of cool for me to kind of go back and be like yeah i'm a published author on this yeah <laughs> you know it Ashamed. was kind of cool to say that and then I just felt really, I felt very valued by Chrissy mm, that she right. thought mm. that it was important enough to go to those, um, that go to the people that she was submitting the paper to and be like, hey, you know, and uh, we were talking about this last night, like she did, like she mentioned, get pushback on it, like do these girls really mm. need to be on this paper? Mm -hmm. And she could have just as easily been like, no, they don't need to be on the paper, it's fine, just keep going with it. But it's mm. the fact that she pushed back and was like, yes, these girls need to be on this paper. It was that sense of value that she had for us and that sense of respect almost also that she had for us. Like you put your time and your work in, so I'm gonna respect that and tell these people like, yeah, these girls' names need to, they need to be authors on this paper, when she could have just as easily just dismissed the whole thing and just gone about her day. Right. Right. You could have just put them in the acknowledgments. Yeah. Right. Um, she could have just, it could have. It was yeah. so yeah. easy to do. Mm -hmm. Oh my. Wow. The other thing I think is important that I don't know that we've touched on, when we're talking about best practices or how I like to think about it, intentional practices for engaging with young people, the other important piece of this is compensation. Right. And so throughout Melon and Magic, this group of young women were paid for their time. Right. Oh, yeah. And that is a really important thing that I think needs to be named. Anytime you're thinking about engaging with young people that you are compensating them for their time. Right. Mm. Ellie is busy. Right. She has cheer practice. She's got basketball games. She, right. Like she is busy. And so just like we value one another's time and pay for that, it's the same thing. And I think it is an important piece that I want to name and, and put out there today. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was another thing also that was, it was, it was different, but it was like a good different because um, like Chrissy said, like when you, 
adults pay other adults for their time, but they kind of just assume that, like, when dealing with young people, that it's just like, oh, you have all the time in the world, we don't really need to compensate you for this. But Kasi um, looked at that, and I think it's safe to say that I was probably, like, the busiest one in that group. Like, I was, I had the uh, tightest schedule. But even for the girls who weren't even um, doing that much, rather than just looking at them and being like, oh, you're not as busy as Ellie. Like, it's, it's, you, we don't need to. It's still valuable time. Like, they could have easily been doing something else, but they mm-hmm. chose. They made that decision to come and be a part and give their time. And so Chrissy wanted to acknowledge that. And she acknowledged it by compensating them, which I think was phenomenal. I think that was amazing. Instead of just, you know, assuming that that's just time that they have or even even if it was time that they had that that's time that they necessarily wanted to spend doing that you know mm-hmm. so all i have to say is for anyone listening who wants to do intentional research like that these are all the con- yeah. considerations you got to consider if you want to do it authentically right and i mean even going beyond that and it's just to speak to chrissy's character it's like when we asked chrissy to come on the podcast what was the first thing she said can i bring someone on can i bring ellie on someone who was in the program and we appreciated that so much we thought it was such an important perspective mm-hmm. and it's in line with everything we're talking about right now mm-hmm. yeah yep. Chrissy and I were just talking about that last night, mm. how she could have easily just as come on and exactly. just by herself. But, um, right. you know, she texted me and she was like, hey, like, there's this podcast and they yeah. want to talk about Melanin Magic. Like, do you want to be on there? Because you, yeah. you know, you were part of it. So why would exactly. you not be on there? And I think just it's it's the little things. It's the fact that she yeah. even thought to text me, mm-hmm. the fact that she even thought to ask if I wanted to be on this podcast, knowing that I would say yes. Of course. <laughs> but um, it's I'm the glad fact you did. That, it's the fact <laughs> that she thought about it, you know, because again, like um, LaShawn was saying, she could have just as easily yeah. been on here. And that since that is the first thing, I didn't realize that was the first thing she asked. Yeah. So that's that's a little that's like uplifting to me that like someone values you that much that they want your voice and your um, the, your thought process to be right. heard and acknowledged. Mm-hmm. Right. She doesn't want to speak for you. She wants you to be here exactly. to speak right. for yourself. And the, wow. the other thing we'll add to that is this learning, right? Like if you had asked, if this was three years ago, that wouldn't have been my first question, right? This is the mm. evolution that we all have an opportunity to go through, right? Is to realize through messing up, right? I have a very vivid, I have goosebumps right now, a very vivid rem- memory of a time that I didn't do that, right? And mm-hmm. I caused harm. And it, it mm-hmm. right? And so that is the important evolution and the learning that we all have this opportunity to go through. Mm-hmm. And I feel really appreciative of the folks in my life who have been willing to bring light to those things to help make right. me better, right? And to help make us all better and more intentional with how we go through this. So I just want to say this is an evolution and a learning journey just like we talk about for, for myself mm-hmm. as well. And I, um, again, I, I just want to acknowledge that there are people who have supported my learning throughout this process to get us to a point where that was the first question. Um, mm-hmm. So it, it is, it's a collective, right? You have to have mm-hmm. your community around you the people who are willing to say that to you who bring you into the conversation and say hey that didn't land well or hey that felt harmful or right and and then you commit right and that's what we hear all the time like don't get stuck in your 
you know, shame spiral, right? You, you hear the feedback, you take it, you commit to being better and you stay in it. So yeah, I just don't want it to seem like, oh, I've always done this and I've always been this way. This is very much an evolution of my learning over the past five years. So um, I really enjoyed this discussion so far. You know, we've talked about um, Smart Beer Girls, we've talked about Melanin Magic, and we've discussed how we can engage in participatory research in a more ethical way, in, an, in a way that's, that's transformative of these systems that we're a part of. And I wonder, just in closing, is there anything that you, um, is there a vision you have for the direction of Smart Beer Girls for the future? One of the things that I think is really beneficial for Smart Fit Girls is the idea of a youth advisory board. Because, you know, if you're going to have a program where you're trying to have that youth adult partnership, you can't really have a youth adult partnership program without youth. And how are you going to get youth in your youth adult partnership if they don't feel like they're being included or they don't feel like um, they have something to engage in, right? Like mm -hmm. we're talking about being engaging but how are you supposed to engage if you don't feel like there's something to engage in mm -hmm. and so with our youth advisory board that gives the girls something to engage in and so um it was put on a uh, hold because of the pandemic but we do um we're gonna make some changes to our website um so we wanna one of the main things that um our youth advisory board talked about for the website was making almost like a blog um, so there can be like topics that we talk about. It can just be, you know, free topic. Like if somebody had something happen to them that they wanted to talk about, you know, cause there's probably about four or five other people who were struggling with the exact same thing. And that person just didn't know it. Um, we want to have like, um, not drives, um, like prizes, like raffles. Um, but we want to also to bring it back to the idea of smart for girls like you know um who has the best type of uh motivational quote you know to wake up to in the morning and to just kind of repeat that to yourself or what are what are different ways that you can motivate yourself throughout the day because there are there are definitely parts of people's days that will get them down and they may wake up you know super motivated and then as the day progresses they get slightly more and more demotivated I don't think that's mm -hmm. a word but um <laughs> so what is you know stuff like that just so that it feels more engaging again to Chrissy's point um we're really about engaging people and then um on that same note um there can always be different topics addressing you know um girls who are of a different race girls who are in a different age group um girls who maybe um for example like lgbtq we want to try mm -hmm. to incorporate that community as well um because we don't smart for girls is already sort of um exclusive because it's smart fit girls so we're kind of like shunning all of the boys right so we don't want to we want to be as inclusive as we possibly can Right, so we don't want to leave anybody out who identifies as female. We don't want to leave anybody out who isn't, you know, a white female. We don't want to leave anybody out who isn't a middle schooler or isn't a high schooler or isn't in college. You know, like we want to include everybody. So there can definitely mm -hmm. be those topics that um, adhere and tailor to those different, you know, like topics like what does, what are some challenges that you face being a um, 
Latino female in America? What are some challenges you face being an African-American girl? What are some challenges you face, um, you know, being part of the LGBTQ community and where you, you know, identify as female, but people don't always realize that. And so we want to just up, update our website um, because as Chrissy said, it is a journey that we're going through. And so just like um, the in-person stuff is being updated and invigorated, we want to do the same thing for the website um, because people may not always be able to go in person. There may not always be a smart fit um, area nearby that they can go to. So we just want to try to um, update our website so that people always have it on hand, you know, and Mm -hmm. there's not a point where they feel like, well, I can't be a part of Smart Girls because of all of these. We just want to lessen the boundaries and the obstacles um, and the hoops that people need to jump through in order to be part of Smart Fit Girls. And Chrissy, do you have anything you want to add as well for the future of Smart Fit Girls? I think I'll echo some of what Ellie said around how are we thinking about First off, how do we define girls, right? And can we be more expansive in our definition of girls so that trans girls, um, for example, feel, again, valued and reflected in the curriculum? We're not at that point yet, right? So certainly we could say we're for all girls, but if a trans girl came to our program, she may not feel reflected and valued. And so that's something I think we're... um, that we're kind of um, embarking on is a journey to how to be more inclusive and expansive in our definition of girls. And then I think even longer term, thinking outside of the box of girls, right? Um, While also providing the space that has felt really important based on our data that has this space of shared experience, right? We hear all the time from girls that it felt really nice that it was all girls, that is important. And again, how are we being exclusive and exclusionary when we think about it that way? So those are some of the things that we're thinking about is, um, yeah, how to be, how to be more inclusive for kiddos who may identify outside the binary, right? And maybe it's a separate cohort for um, SmartFit, where if you don't identify Um, as a boy or a girl, right? If you identify as trans or non-binary, that you have a space, again, where the curriculum reflects your lived experiences. And so part of that process then is bringing on folks who have those shared identities to build out the curriculum. Um, So that's a future direction that I'm really excited about. um, And I think is an important one for us and our organization. Looking forward to seeing you both continue to transform the way we work with communities, transform youth adult partnerships, and just continuing to transform how uh, girls are able to engage in physical activity and how we see ourselves. So thank you for this discussion. And I just want to open up the floor to anyone for any closing remarks, anything you really feel you need to add that's weighing on you, you want to let it out, just let it out. I just I just think it's a really good opportunity and I think for anyone who's listening to this podcast who because I I know that um there are going to be some people who did not even know this existed because I did not even know this existed until about three years ago so I think my encouragement would just be to get onto the website find um see if there's a way that you can get in touch with um 
Chrissy or email someone or Chrissy or myself or Abby or anyone who's with that if you want to be a part of it because there's there's no one stopping you none of us are saying that you can't as a matter of fact we're inviting you we're telling you that you can we want you here um so just my encouragement to get out there because now that you know we exist what else is there really stopping you from Mm -hmm. joining and being a part of it exactly right so that's my that would be my one encouragement and on sometime in the future it's probably not going to be right now um but kind of like Chrissy was saying, we do want to keep that um, that aspect of like the, the girls um, and just kind of that like closed circle. But I was um, talking to some of the other um, adults that are working with us, and I um, hope I'm hoping in the future we can have almost like a session where we do invite some males because you know the the world does not just consist of just females Mm. so we have to learn to live alongside the guys but i think that if we bring the guys in as guests rather than just saying like oh this is your program to bringing them in as guests that still keeps that um close circle and still makes the girls feel like they have their own Mm. space but then uh, on that same note they can express some things um that guys may not necessarily understand Mm. and so that gives guys insight and it also still um it makes the girls feel like you know they can they can help um be the change that they Mm -hmm. want to see in the world wow this whole conversation i'm feeling so inspired thank you for sharing with us yeah and then i think the last thing i'll add that maybe um i'm not sure was explicit in our conversation around this notion of youth adult or adult youth partnerships you know not only do the outcomes of your program and this is research, right? It shows that they're more sustainable when you engage young people. Um, your evaluations are more honest. It's more realistic, right? But we talk a lot about the benefits for young people, but there are a whole host of benefits for adults to engage in youth adult partners, right? And so it's things like increased creativity, um, increased commitment and energy to the project, right? It's um, feeling more um, committed to pushing back against depression, right? It's breaking down stereotypes. There are all these benefits for adults as well that I don't want that to get lost, right? That we think as adults, like, oh, we're going to do this service of bringing young people in, right? To acknowledge that you also benefit from that as an adult in that partnership. And so it's such a mutually beneficial opportunity. And and I wanted to just name that as we're kind of wrapping up. And then the last thing I'll say is, Ellie, thank you so much uh, for joining us in this. I really appreciate and I mean, you know how much I value uh, your voice and your perspective and you as a human. So thanks for being here with me. Thank you for listening to the Public Health Insight Podcast, your go-to space for informative conversations, inspiring community action. If you enjoy our content and would like to stay up to date, follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. To learn more about our community initiatives and how you can support us, visit our website at thepublichealthinsight.com. Join the PHI community and let's make public health viral.